The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. How are we doing today? Woke up to some surprising news seeing Team USA taken down by the French, uh, blowing that second half lead. It really shows that team construction matters and playing defense actually matters. <laughs> I saw something where Dame, KD, and Tatum had as many fouls as field goals made, and that is just not a recipe for winning. Uh, hopefully the USA can can step up. I thought that the last loss or two would have been enough to wake them up, but apparently not. Before we get started into this episode, if you wouldn't mind, we really appreciate some feedback wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating, give us a review, let us know how we're doing really helps us improve the show for you guys because that's why we do it a quick show note we will be doing a hoop ball lottery reaction podcast uh thursday night after the lottery and so this will be the only punt intended episode for this week but be sure to check our twitters at rhett underscore bauer and at travis underscore fuller 92 to see where that show is going to be. I might be on Fantasy NBA Today's feed. I'm not sure exactly. So check that out. It's going to be a great time. Going to be a bunch of fantasy people on there for both Redraft, Dynasty, just general NBA thoughts. So that's going to be a good time. Really looking forward to that. And of course, we're going to be having some content coming out within the next couple of weeks once that draft is done. And you can rest assured that we are absolutely going to be breaking that down in future episodes. I don't know exactly what that episode is going to look like. I don't imagine we're going to go pick by pick, but we sure will on punt intended in the future. So today we're starting off our mailbag pod. Very first one. Very excited to do this. You guys had a bunch of questions and hopefully we'll get to them all within a reasonable amount of time. But if not, hopefully we have enough for next pod. We just roll them over and and make this a bi-weekly or weekly thing. And that we would just absolutely love to do that. The very first question we have was a general question about keeper leagues. Uh, We talked about it last episode. One of our trade options was SGA for Sexton and like 1.4 or something like that. Talking about keeper leagues and what that means. And we might have an entire episode dedicated to that here in the future. But right now, keeper leagues, it's just all about top end talent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoy keeper leagues but it's something that you can kind of lose sight of throughout the year. And to me, I am always keeping track of my keepers throughout the season. Every trade that's made towards the end of the year, once you start to kind of finalize those keepers, you're looking at that cutoff line and you're, you're looking at, okay, who am I keeping and who can I make available to pair with one of my keepers to maybe upgrade to a better player? And that's why, as you mentioned, it, it's all about top-end talent. Typically, when you see those two-for-one trades in a keeper league, you're always taking that better player. It's really funny. I saw a hashtag basketball tweet out today. They quote tweeted a report about the Lakers sending out KCP and Kuzma to every team in the league. And his thought was, when your dynasty rookie draft starts in a week, and you need to clear a roster spot. Because <laughs> everybody knows what you're trying to do, man. Like, I'm guilty of it. 
I, I'm very, very guilty of it. But you just have to get ahead of it, especially in those keeper leagues where you know you're keeping three guys, four or five, whatever your number is. You know what that list of guys is. And at any point in the year, you'll have to figure out how to consolidate while also keeping your options open for winning. So we'll have a future episode on that, I'm sure, going to the detail about all of that. But our very first trade is from Jordan Murdoch on Twitter. It's a 10-team league with 28-man rosters. So a little bit different league construction in that it's shallow in terms of teams, but extremely deep in terms of rosters. So you kind of mimic probably up to maybe 20 teams, somewhere like that. But the trade is 1.1, so Cade, with Embiid and Gallinari for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 1.2, 1.4, and Okungwu. And this is, it's just a different trade. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. Yeah, there's really so much to break down. And I think when we were talking about this earlier, we broke it down different ways. Like I, yes. I ended up yes, immediately, I immediately compared Cade to SGA and then tried to evaluate Embiid versus 1.2, 1.4 Okongu. And you did the complete opposite. You established the two players that are already in the league, Embiid and SGA, and then tried to break down the picks, which I think was a great way to go about it as well. Uh, regardless of which way we went about it, I tend to settle on the SGA side along with 1.2 and 1.4. And the main reason with that is, while I do think Kate is going to be a stud, he still is an unknown. And I think being able to get two shots inside that top four, um, getting Mobley and possibly Green or Suggs, is just going to be better for you Long-term, it's a lot more risk-averse getting two of those guys versus just the one, even though, like I said, I do I do find Cade uh, to be very tantalizing. I think he's going to be very good. And then Embiid, we've hit on Embiid. I'm not a huge fan of of him long-term. I don't know how his, his body's going to hold up. So I, I do prefer the SGA versus him if you're going to compare those two. And then Akangu is just a nice cherry on top there at the end. So the reason I made the comparison that I did is – it kind of neutralizes the uncertainty from K from all of the draft picks, like whatever you want to look at it, whether it's Cade at one Mobley at two Suggs at four or green at two Suggs at four Mobley at four, whatever, however you want to do it, that, that uncertainty, you kind of wash it off. So Embiid for SGA, we know how we feel about Embiid. I would just take SGA. So then you get into Cade for Mobley and Suggs. I don't know, but then Okungwu and Gallinari, that's a no brainer. So that's kind of why I went with the other side. I know what SGA and Okungwu are. I also know what Embiid and Gallinari are. And so that's kind of why I, I leaned that direction. Yeah, definitely a fair trade though. Cause we, yeah. we went back and forth on this one for a while. And that's when, you know, it's a really good trade is when you, it's tough to determine a side. Exactly. So it's, that's probably going to come down to personal preference, how you feel about, Cade, your team construction, how set up you are to win right now with Embiid. So well done. Both sides negotiating that. Well done. Another question from Hoopball, from one of our Fantasy Pass subscribers. So really happy to have one of these on here. He says, when Devin Booker ranked only top 75 in nine cat this season with the addition of Chris Paul, what range do you think he finishes next season and what does his long-term outlook look like? So, yeah, it was kind of concerning this year looking at his numbers and seeing him outside that top 50, which he hasn't been in the last three years. He's been inside the top 50. 
So that is a little bit of concern. And, and the only thing that you can look at is obviously what changed Chris Paul coming onto that team. So let's look at Booker's stats and you look across the board, pretty much everything's the same points. He's within a point. Threes look to be the same. And then you get to that assist and he dropped 2.2 assists per game. And, and really that's all it is. While I do think he can get a little bit better at that next year, we saw in the playoffs, you know, what, what Booker can really do. He's, he's a phenomenal scorer, a great player. So even if Chris Paul does return there, I'm not really too concerned. I do look to, to see him creep back into the top 60. But as far as reaching that top 30, top 40 value that we saw, I'm not sure he can get there with Paul on that team. I don't think so either, but that's also okay because Booker will turn 25 in this season and he has a lot of basketball ahead of him. And like you said, we, he showed in the playoffs that there are a lot of different things that he's capable of doing when asked to do so. And I think that that's, that's just going to happen. He's going to continue to be the guy, continue to get as much usage as he can handle as many shots as he can handle. And clearly he can hit them at an efficient rate. So He's still a top 25 dynasty asset. And it's, it's a big reason why we have him ranked 14th. You know, we still have him inside that top 15 is you got to take that long-term approach with him. You know, even if Chris Paul's there another two, three years, that's okay. He's eventually going to take over. And I, I do see him as a lead guard once he's in his prime kind you know, you see that a lot kind of like, you know, Zach Levine kind of starting to take over as more of that lead guard, mainly because the bulls don't have a point guard, but <laughs> I, I see Booker kind of taking more of that 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 ball handling share as he as he improves and starts to enter that those prime years. He had two straight years of almost seven assists before CP got there, so don't undervalue him. And he's actually our my bookie bet of the day. He's going to be a top sixty player probably next year if Chris Paul comes back. He might even climb back into that top forty if he does not. Booker's just too good to be to be that far out, even though he doesn't get the insane stocks that usually float somebody's value enough. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. We have a trade from Ty Santa, a 24-team league. He wants to know about Sexton and Isaiah Hartenstein for DeJounte Murray, trying to get his team better at steals and field goal percentage. And not to pat myself on the back here, but... I told him to go after DeJounte when he told me what he wanted to do because his team is just stacked with points and threes. And I said, you know, you could probably stand to take a hit on some points and increase your steals, your field goal percentage, and your rebounding. Obviously, going from Sexton to DeJounte is a drop in field goal percentage because Sexton was crazy efficient this year. But I think this is a no-brainer. Give me DeJounte every time. Yeah, absolutely no-brainer. No argument from this side. And, you know, Hartenstein's just kind of more of a, a throw-in piece, more of a flyer. I believe he he turned down his option this year. So Correct. he's going to be a, a free agent. He'll land as a backup somewhere. So uh, nothing to look at there. A no-brainer. Give me Murray any day of the week. This next trade cracked me up. I didn't realize, but I had been sent this from both sides of the argument. It was at separate times. And so I guess the negotiations are ongoing. But a 30-team league, one team is bad he says he's bad and he has no depth and he also has Luca and he wants to know if he should trade Luca for Lonzo Ball Darius Garland and 1.5 and if you both are listening Travis and I disagree on this trade so you're going to get no help from us but we're going to break it down anyways yeah absolutely no help whatsoever but when I first saw this and then the more I looked into it I 
in a 30 team league, given his, his roster that he has, I looked more towards that Lonzo Garland and 1.5 side. And, and I think I would take that if I can't find a better deal for Luca. I would absolutely be trying to shop Luca hard and trying to find a player inside that top 20 along with another player around that top 50 to 60. But if I can't do that, this, this really isn't too bad. I, I personally have Lonzo as a, a top 40 player. I think he can even be a little bit better than that. And then Garland just around that 50 range as well. So you're getting a, about a, a top 40 guy, top 50 guy, and then 1.5. While not great, we want to be in that 1.3, 1.4 range. Uh, but 1.5 isn't bad. You get your pick of the litter outside the top five. So there is some value in that. It's not great, but when you take all things into account, you're looking at his roster. It is a 30-team league where depth is extremely important. If you can't find anything better than that deal, I, I would take it. That's another piece of context that we almost never have unless you tell us. It's like, hey, this is the best deal I've been offered for anybody. Because then that changes the math a little bit. If this is the first trade you've been offered for Luca. Like you better find out for darn sure you don't have other people interested because you're trading the number one dynasty asset out there. And the guy that has Luca followed up and asked if I would do Bam and Garland or like SGA Garland, any top 20 asset plus Garland. And obviously that makes it pretty easy. Yeah. I think that was our consensus too. was like, yeah, let's see what else we can get. Let's, let's remove that 1.5 and try and get a better player and just make it a two for one with a little bit better player in there. Right. I I think that's kind of what we came to, which I I would absolutely try and do as well. You want to get two known quality players versus the pick in that, in my opinion, when you're trading a guy like Luca, my initial thought was to just keep Luca because your team's bad and you don't have depth, but you've got a 22 year old who has plenty of basketball ahead of him to be just insanely good. So you could be patient, but I, See what else is out there. Don't just trade the best dynasty asset in the league for for no reason. Next question. He asked if we would talk about usage impacting categories and what the benchmarks are for each category when it comes to punting. So if there's a specific free throw percentage slash attempts per game that changes the math on whether you should or shouldn't be punting. And we kind of talked about it when we did our team building about specifically Giannis and Zion being high volume, terrible percentage guys who are just going to tank your free throw percentage immediately. Like right off the bat, you are punting it because you likely can't come back from it. There's no specific threshold. I don't think, but it depends a lot on the players around those guys. If you already have a complete team and you're looking to see what, like if you're trying to trade for a Ben Simmons, but you're not quite punt free throw, trying to do that math. I don't know if there's a specific benchmark. You kind of you kind of have to look at it and be like, okay, five shots a game from the line at seventy four percent, like that's not very good. Yeah, exactly. And, and my benchmark would be looking at the, around the league and, and just seeing, okay, what is where does my team rank amongst others in field goal percentage? Where does my team rank in, in three pointers? And that kind of gives you that benchmark on where you might need to be to compete in that category. And if I don't see my players being able to improve to, to get to that point, or I don't see just just a way of, of making some trades to improve that, then that's where I decide, okay, I'm going to punt. I'm going to try and establish these five categories that I'm, I'm good in, maybe six categories, whatever it may be. So that's kind of how I benchmark is 
where do I rank? Where do I stack up within my, my own league and go from there? That's a great point. And yet again, another piece of information that we almost always ask for is go into fan tracks or whatever you've got, go to your season stats and give me those numbers, one through 12, one through 30, whatever they are, find out where your team is good, where your team is bad and compare that to the teams above you. And then you'll know very quickly where you should or shouldn't try to be getting better and then maybe lean into a punt one way it, or another. Yeah, and it may take you a season to know that. You, you know, exactly kind of my, when we did our uh, episode on on punting and, and I told my story, I didn't really know going into that league. I had a really quality team, but I, I thought I was going to be pretty good everywhere. And it ends up I was average in, in like six categories. So you really do got to, may take a year to figure that out, but once you do and you have that data and you know what your what your team can do, then you can can make your punt and make your build from there. Another trade, Aaron Gordon for Nick Claxton. Very simple to me in terms of what side wins, and that's definitely Claxton. Yeah, simple trade, simple analysis. We have Claxton ranked ninety uh, fourth, I believe, and he's only twenty two, and we have AG down in the one thirties, and he's a little bit older, so. It's a 30-team, 9-cat, but it's a one-for-one one trade, so depth doesn't really come into play. So more often than not, I'm taking the young player, but especially taking the young player that's better. So, pretty, And, and pretty one easy. thing, too, to mention is when you get these players that are lower minutes, I know AG is going to probably get some solid minutes, but a guy like Claxton who's lower minutes, these guys aren't really going to affect your build a whole lot. And in this case, they are somewhat similar in that they both aren't the greatest free-throw shooters. So, But even if they... We're, we're different skill sets altogether. Always take that better player, even if it isn't your build specifically. In this case, even more so because Aaron Gordon just isn't a great nine-cat player. It seems like every year it's like, oh, yeah, he's probably top 100, and then you look and he's top 170. So uh, that, that definitely factors in a little bit too. Another trade, 30-team league. 1.5 for 1.7 and 1.10. So fifth overall for seven and 10 overall. What do you think? Yeah, we've talked about those groups and we're going to go back to it. We want to be inside that top four. If not, it does get a little bit more of taking some flyers, taking some guys with more upside uh, versus the the known, more known quality player. And as I mentioned, in 30 team depth is really key. So to me, it's a no brainer. I'm, I'm taking a shot at two different guys versus one guy at, at 1.5. So give me the the two top 10 picks at 1.7 and 1.10 in this draft that has pretty good depth. The only way I would not do that is if your roster spots are getting a little bit tight because you don't want to be trading back from five to seven and then not able to keep pick 10 because then you just lost two spots for no reason. But you do have a lot, you should have a lot of time to decide who you're keeping, who you're not, a lot of season to go and a lot of trades to be made, hopefully. So yeah, definitely taking the two shots, especially with two spots dropping back. I don't think there's a, that much of a difference, but you can get another quality player at pick 10. Our guy on Discord, he's actually in our punt intended 30 team league. So I'm excited to hear from him as the league gets started. But he came through. He's got Zach Levine, Jamal Murray, and Carl Anthony Towns, and those are really his only good players in this 30-team league. And he asked if I would trade Carl Anthony Towns, Kyra Lewis, and 16th overall this year for Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Jonas Valanciunas, and DeAndre Hunter. The answer is no, because... 
with the way his team is constructed with a bunch of guys who are just okay, but not great. This trade, I don't feel like makes you enough of a contender to be trading a top five dynasty asset, especially when all of the guys you're getting back, I guess with the exception of Hunter, everybody else is 30 plus and Valanciunas could easily be seeing a reduced role. You know, Middleton and Drew on the same team, maybe they diminish each other. I don't know. There's a lot of considerations, but to trade Towns for three 30-year-olds, that just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, based on that roster construction, you know, he's got some, I would assume he has a lot more younger guys too outside those top three that he was talking about. Uh, if he isn't competing right now, you got definitely got to keep Cat and that, like, like you mentioned, there's not really not much else to add to it. You're getting three 30-year-old guys. If you're not going to be able to compete right now, if, you're, if you don't have a good handle on where you're going to be able to, to be at next year from as far as that competitive window goes, you, you got to hang on to Cat and just try and build down the line. And so this is one of those things that it's funny to, to be making these comparisons because Chris Middleton is pretty close to Lonzo Ball in the rankings. And Drew Holiday is very close to... Darius Garland in the rankings. We actually have them back to back. And obviously Towns is fifth or fourth, sorry, instead of Luca being first. So when you break down a trade and it's like, okay, top five dynasty asset for a top 40, top 50, top 70, and then top 80, wherever you want to have DeAndre Hunter, that sounds great. But you, until you look at those ages, and that's what I said, I was like, I would do that if you said, give me a top, 40, 50, 70, 80 player for cat. I would probably do it as long as all of those players were under 27, because then you're at least having some time to build, especially with Jamal Murray. You've got a year to, to wait. Like you don't have to be good this year. And, and I said, unless you're going to trade Jamal Murray for drew and Deandre Hunter or something like that to, to, if you want to be a contender, you can't have Jamal Murray on your team. So you have to take that into consideration. It's just funny to think about, we have these tiers of players, but the players within that tier matter so much when you're talking about trading for these top guys. Yeah. Not only that, their direction matters too, and it's going to change these rankings. And then we've, we've touched on it multiple times, but you know, we may have Garland and drew ranked back to back, but that doesn't mean that's where we're going to be valuing them. If we're rebuilding versus competing, you know, Drew's going to shoot up vice versa. Garland might shoot up if you're rebuilding. So that makes a huge difference. And you have to really kind of reevaluate whatever ranking system you're using. Definitely have to reevaluate based on each trade and based on the direction of your team. Without question. That's why dynasty rankings are so hard, but Mm -hmm. that's why we're here to answer all your questions. Because like I said, if we give you the framework top five for top 40, 50, 70, then you might think you want to trade trading towns for Middleton drew and J Val. And that's just not the case right now. This question's a little bit different. I don't think we've had anybody ask about salary leagues specifically when it comes to player evaluation. So the idea here, he wants to know how we would value Zubac in a 30 team salary league. You can only start one center and Zubac, I think you said has two years left at about 7 million. Yes. Let me make sure I'm, I'm correct on those numbers, but yeah, it's about seven and a half million. Uh, yeah. 7.5 on two years. He has two years left. So that's 
pretty decent value right now for as solid as Zubac is. He's not exceptional. He's not going to do anything great, but he's not going to hurt you anyway. We talked about it at the end of the unique stat sets pod about how Zubac and Ibaka are just those late round guys that you just pick and they're not going to kill you anywhere. But I don't know. I wouldn't say Zubac at 7.5 should be a building block because he has such so few years left and is likely going to get a raise because the cap's going up. So it just depends on what your other options are. But I want to throw this to you, Trav. Does the one center starting slot change your evaluation of him? I think that changes the evaluation of all centers in that league if you only need one to, to fill that spot. And you can you know, definitely, I, I would imagine he's trying to find a, a cheap, relatively young center to just fill that spot and then build a team more so with forwards and guards and whatnot instead of having bigs to kind of clog that up and spend more money elsewhere. And as we know, centers don't make a ton of money nowadays. You know, you can find a quality big center that doesn't get paid very, very well, which I think is great if you can get a guy like that, throw him in that center spot under $10 million, and then just use that money elsewhere throughout your roster. It also matters how many other centers you have on your team and whether or not they have power forward center eligibility. And then also how many flex spots you have because Zubac in a vacuum is a pretty decent value to have at 7.5 for the next two years. But if he's your fourth center on the roster and he's center only, how often is he making your starting lineup? You, You know, those, those starting slots, they matter quite a bit. And I know, Trav, you almost never make trades because of position eligibility, but I think that matters quite a bit, especially if you've got leagues that break it down all the way to point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, and center. At a certain point, you're, you're losing out on games played because you can't get guys in the lineup. So that, that sort of team construction also matters. Yeah, I agree with you there, especially if you have smaller rosters. If you're on your roster in... 10, 12 guys, and you have to fill those spots. Like you mentioned, it's, it's not forward forwards and guards. It's point guards, small forward, each position individually. When you have a smaller roster, I think it can definitely come into play a little bit more than if you're a 12-team league with 20-plus man rosters. I, I, I don't think it's as big of an issue once you start to get those bigger rosters. But just going back to Zubac, I mean, he – Seven and a half million. And one thing I I think with is nice about him is he's young and I don't see him getting a big payday. So if you do want to throw him in that center spot, you can count on his salary being right around 10 million moving forward. If he, even if he does get extended with whatever team or gets a deal as a free agent, I don't see him being more than a $10 million player in this league. Which is a double-edged sword in terms of value for him as a player, but also means he's not as much of a priority. But it's pretty reliable, and I think that you're probably not heavily invested in Zubac, so you don't really mind that that he's not a huge cornerstone of your team. Last trade, and it's my own. I made a trade, (laughs) everyone. And my man Tebby out there, he made sure that I was going to talk about it, and so here we are. I have a team that was good last year, extreme punt threes and free throws, extreme down to points too. I like turnovers was my swing cat for most, most matchups against the top of the league because our league is just insanely top heavy, but I had traded LeBron and Westbrook for Simmons and Wendell Carter jr. 
uh, earlier this offseason. And during the year, I traded Chris Paul and Steven Adams for Killian Hayes and Nick Claxton. So I'd already kind of halfway straddled the line between rebuild and not because my I had LeBron who was injured heading into the playoffs. I had Anthony Davis who was also injured heading into the playoffs and Chris Paul is 36. So there's, there's something to be said for that. So I just didn't trust my team. So I kind of half in half out on the rebuilding and then Kawhi's news comes out and I reached out to Tebby and asked what he would want. And he said, Drew, which I had kind of been shopping because again, I'm kind of halfway in and out of rebuilding. So I want to see what I could get. The trade is Drew Holiday, 41 overall this year and a 2022 fourth round pick in a 12 man league. That'll be probably 50th somewhere around there for Kawhi Leonard, 27th overall and a 2022 late second round pick. Trav, you did not like this trade for me. Did you? I did not, and I we just dissected this for multiple days. I stayed up late because you're you're two hours behind me, so <laughs> I had some late nights uh, texting you about this deal. But I think I really like what Tebby did in this deal. I I think he got a really quality player in Drew Holiday for Kawhi, and we, I saw a, a few questions on Reddit and and just on Twitter about what to do with Kawhi now and and what's his value. So I got to thinking about that, and and my thought if you could get if you're a competing team and you can get a similar age, similar quality player for him, you know somebody right around that top 40, top 50 range, like Drew, I would absolutely trade Kawhi for him in a heartbeat because you just don't know. And I'm not concerned about Kawhi coming back. I'm concerned about that load management moving forward the rest of his career. That's my concern with him. He's a, he's a great player, but is he going to get 65 games? I I don't know. I can't say for certain if he's going to even get that many in a season moving forward. So that's my concern with him. Drew was phenomenal this year with the Bucks. I foresee him having another two, three really quality seasons moving forward with the Bucks. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him, but they're definitely going to try and run it back. So I, I like Drew Holiday a lot. I think it was a great trade for, for Tebby and his competing team to get a quality player. The, the picks – in a 12-team league, a second-rounder, a couple second-rounders isn't as big of a deal in a smaller league. I know they're really nice for for someone like yourself that is kind of starting to do maybe like a, just a quick retool so those picks can be utilized quite well coming up this draft. But I've, from what I've, what I've seen and, and just my thoughts, I, I really like anything that you can get inside that top 50 for Kawhi. I would definitely do it, and Drew is definitely right there. So Tebby's team, he's got Kevin Durant, Jimmy Butler, Brooke Lopez, Kyrie, DeMar, Chris Paul. He, I, I traded him Chris Paul, and then he ended up winning the title. He actually beat Travis on the way there. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also made sure I brought that up. So there you go, Tebby. Uh, so he's, he's got a very old team. He can't sit around waiting for Kawhi to come back, and especially with how top-heavy our league is. I feel fine with the trade. I have a year to see how Kawhi comes back and potentially trade him. But with my options trading around the league, this is what we talked about earlier, knowing what your best offer was. And my best offer for Drew before this was from you. And it was RJ (laughs) Barrett and a 2022 first round pick that is for sure going to be 10th, 11th or 12th. And I talked with a lot of people 
who said that that was a good deal when it was offered. And I didn't disagree. I just felt like I could do a little better. And I'm thinking that Kawhi, if he comes back, should net me something better than RJ Barrett in a 2022 first, not to mention the other second round picks I got on top of that. Yeah. And I know that was the big thing was, well, what if, you know, when Kawhi comes back, when he's healthy, you know, what, you know, two years, and I, and I thought about that too. And I, I, I do understand your point there. Think about when Kawhi's 32 years old, you're, you're in it, you're out of it. Who knows? That doesn't really matter at this point, but come trade deadline, we're going to have some competing teams. And if you float a guy like Kawhi out there who, you know, presumably as long as he can come back and, and look strong and healthy is a top 10 player back to his old form. That's a yeah, huge I, piece that's out there. I, I would, uh, I would definitely give Baird in, in a late first. <laughs> right. You would give more than that because yeah, that's probably. what I'll ask for. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that is, that is all of the mailbag questions we had for today. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to send those in. I hope that we didn't miss your question. I tried to dig through all the DMs and Discord messages and, and tweets and all that stuff to get to them all. But if I did miss you, please reach out and let me know. And we will talk about it at the beginning of whatever our next episode is. And then hopefully you guys can continue sending them in and we can make this mailbag more of a routine thing rather than just a one-off experience since we liked it so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. We talked about at the beginning, trying to get more questions to do mailbag episodes and our goal, at least preliminary, our goal is to do it every other week. And then once the season starts, really hoping to do it once a week, answer as many questions as we can and just have, have a good discussion like we did today. If you haven't already, go check out our redraft versus dynasty episode we did with Adam King from Hoopball last time. That was a really good discussion talking about guys he had in his early 100 rankings compared to our dynasty rankings and what that looks like. I believe all of the team reviews are finished over at hoop-ball.com. We've got breakdowns of every single team and every single player on those teams. I wrote about Isaiah Joe for the Philadelphia 76ers. That's how deep we went. So we went 15 deep on every single team. Go check those out. Hoop-ball.com. Find me on Twitter, as always, Rhett underscore Bauer. Find Travis, Travis underscore Fuller 92. Thank you very much for tuning in. This has been a hoop ball presentation.